This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number for you, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. All right, so 855-450-3733. Of course, you can bring up anything that might happen to be on your mind, but also we bring things to the table to discuss that might be of interest. And I don't know if I mentioned this last night, but it was definitely something I thought was important to get to because it's more of the, let's see, self-implosion of uh, Detroit, the downturn, uh, what are the consequences of people moving out from a fairly large city, what sort of things happen when the economy dries up and the government people who've been used to living large off of uh, all kind of property taxes are now taxing properties that are worth $1,000 or less in right. some cases. Wow. Or, you know, high-end properties in some neighborhoods for $13,000. Go If you go to Zillow.com, which is a great real estate website, Z-I-L-L-O-W, and then look at Detroit, you can see what the housing, uh, what's for sale. Not only can you see what's for sale, but you can also see a few of what has been sold. So you'll know at what prices things are selling or have sold within the last six months or a year or so uh, to kind of give you a real uh, feel for what the real estate market is like there. In a lot of places in Detroit, it is not good. And as we discussed recently on this program, the Detroit Police Department has, I believe, they were either talking about or they actually did shut down uh, to eight hours per day of service. So they're drastically, drastically cutting back uh, the amount of uh, so-called service that they're offering to the people of Detroit. And now they're turning out the lights According to Bloomberg.com, Detroit residents are going to be without a lot of streetlights. 139 square miles is the size of Detroit at this moment. Uh, it contains 60% fewer residents than it did 50, uh, 60 years ago, back in 1950. Uh, we'll try to nudge those people into a smaller living space by eliminating almost half of its streetlights. As it is, 40% of the 88,000 streetlights are broken. And the city, whose finances are overseen by an appointed board, cannot afford to fix them. Mayor Dave Bing's plan would create an authority to borrow $160 million to upgrade and reduce the number of streetlights to 46000 Maintenance would be contracted out, saving the city $10 million per year. They can't even fix the streetlights. No. That's Nor- how bad it is. Yeah, th- and uh, I know we we had talked about some of this topic uh, a few months back in basically the suburbs of Detroit and having certain suburbs that people have moved out, the houses are empty, and they're just reclaiming lights at, in some of the suburbs. They're taking the light poles back and, yes, cutting services, cutting down on, on everything that basically the people have come to expect from their local municipality as far as protection and lighting and um, uh, administration, dispute resolution, I mean, it's it's turning into uh, a ghost town in some parts of that city. Well, the the local government isn't able to pay their electricity bill. Essentially, exactly. they just run out of funds because well, they they've been irresponsible with their um, money forever. Revenue. They've been irresponsible forever. Well, not only that, but they're not getting the property taxes because the banks aren't going to pay for the property taxes. Right. They're going to reclaim the houses for foreclosure, but once the property tax bill reaches a certain point, the, the city says, well, we're going to come and take that property. The jig is up. And they sell the property for $1,000, provided you pay the back property taxes of $15,000. Who's, who's going to pay that? Exactly. 
So, so that means the city's going to be sitting on a whole bunch of property that they can't uh, get rid of. Exactly. And of course, if you are a, if if you ever look at city-owned property, there's some of it here in, in Keene, New Hampshire, where we do the show. It's it's just neglected. Uh, so the more property they have, the less able they are to take care of it, and they don't have the right incentives to take care of it in the first place. So when you've got the city owning property, they're not going to keep it heated at nighttime. They're not going to you know they're not going to exactly. do the necessary upkeep to make it saleable. They're just going to sit on the on the deed. And so that means that that property is going to become less and less valuable over time. It's already not really use, useful to anybody. Nobody's buying it. Nobody's in a hurry to buy it. But it's just going to it's just going to depreciate. Well, just as well, neighborhoods where there's no lighting lead to a lot more looting of the empty houses. Now people are coming in, taking the copper piping and, oh, yeah. and reselling that, taking the copper wiring. Because there's there's you know hundreds of feet of wiring in some of these homes. That's one of the reasons why some of these homes are posted at a dollar. Yeah, you, you know you can buy a house for ten bucks. It's a shell though. It's right, been it's, stripped. Right, it has no more copper left. Exactly. So you you find that areas once the city reclaims a property, they don't protect it because there's no incentive for them to actually protect it. They they don't care as long as they get their tax money when that's sold. That's all they care about. So the police are cut back, the lights cut back, the properties are looted, and it just becomes. You know, an area where no one's going to want to live. Now, is this a situation where um, entrepreneurship could come in and solve a lot of these problems in a in voluntary theory, way? It, it would. It would. Ha- I think it would have to involve the city. The the property would not have to fall under the ownership of the city for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? Well, and also the city would probably the people calling themselves the city would have to look the other way because odds are good there are probably some sort of regulatory hoops that any entrepreneur would normally be expected to jump through by the city government. But I mean, that that's a question: is how how closely are they watching these areas? I mean, if they're, if they're not fixing the streetlights, are they really sending the code enforcers around too while they're while they're at it? Well, that, that's what, what, what I'm it? wondering: is I, I, a lot of times. Governments in decay will cut back on services, but enforcement they don't usually cut back on. They they want stronger enforcement to keep the order. And but they only have so many police that they can send out to these places. Right. We were talking uh, several weeks ago about how the uh, the government cops again cutting back the policing services has resulted in private, essentially protection agencies coming out of the woodwork and offering people various different levels of protection services that they can hire privately there because they are under they understand that the police are not going to come. You call them, they're not going to come. It's right. just good. depending on the area of the, of the city you live in. I'm sure if you live in the rich areas, they'll come. But if you're in these uh, impoverished areas where now the streetlights aren't working, the cops just aren't going to come out there. They're, they're not going to do it because their own personal selves are at risk. Is it a cutback in police forces and in police officer employment? I think I think it would be a cutback in budget if the cities are having budget shortfalls in other areas. I think it's you know money is sort of uh, what Mark's phrase he always used fungible. Fungible, yeah, that's right. So it's like, well, yeah, it, it might be fungible, but when you have a big chunk taken out, well, you still have to cover certain areas. So yes, you'll have to cut back on the number of hours that you can hire police for, and maybe the number of officers. So yeah, you'd see less policing, less enforcement. If they couldn't afford it. I mean, unless they can just print fiat money. <laughs> Which they can't do because it's Detroit. Exactly. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why the state governments and the city governments are in some pretty hot water because they don't have the ability to just print their way out of a problem 
uh, like the federal government does. And of course, as we know, if you print more money, eventually, you know, the chickens come home to roost. You can't get away from supply and demand and laws of uh, economics for too long. But that is a nice tool that the feds have at their disposal that the local guys just don't have. So it's it's fascinating to watch this uh, Detroit just kind of fall uh, slowly falling to pieces. I and, wonder uh, what their municipal bond rate is at right now. Oh like my God. How, how how good they are at selling because that's how they really pay for things. People what buy the fool bonds. Would buy Detroit's bonds. Right. That's that's the thing is is that's the free market right there is saying your your bonds are bought on the free market like everybody else's and that's how you fund your city. But if your city's debt becomes so great. No one's going to buy your bonds, and then you're just going to go bankrupt. They need to stop selling bonds and sell their assets. They right. have they have assets enough to cover, or Bob Murphy at least talks about, maybe not local governments, but at least the federal government, how they have all these assets, and the debt's really not that big of a deal when you look at all the assets they could sell, but they're not doing that anytime soon. Right. And that includes selling roads and sidewalks and stuff. Well, maybe they will because they're, they're saying here they want to concentrate population. This, this is their chief operating officer, Chris Brown, one of the high bureaucrats at the, the city of Detroit. He says you have to identify those neighborhoods where you want to concentrate your population. I mean, just like a central planner to say something like this, sure. right? Like he is, deci- he is the decider oh, so wise. Uh, where people belong and he's going to manipulate the system to – nudge them as the article says here they're not going to go around and force people to leave their homes but they're just going to turn off all the lights until uh folks decide they no longer want to live in a dangerous area where fact is street lights reduce crime so if there aren't street lights around then it's not hard for dangerous people to get away with naughty things maybe people will come up with their own solutions i hope they do 855-450-FREE maybe we'll see some areas secede from detroit or something like that there's more to come though on this 855-450-FREE of that same old government-free baklava from Mandrick? How about trying Stateless Sweets government-free fudged caramel? Stateless Sweets are made with real ingredients and prepared fresh for delivery to your home. Order them as a gift, a well-deserved decadent treat for yourself, or catered for your next event. Go to statelesssweets.com. That's statelesssweets.com. Take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, and you can uh, you can, you can can go ahead and visit us on- online, and you can also create the content of the site by dropping by and submitting as show prep whatever it is you think is interesting. You find something online, submit it as show prep at freetalklive.com, then other listeners can vote as to how they feel about it. You get to vote on things as well. The most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the site. So head over, get interactive. It's all free at freetalklive.com. And freetalklive.com brought to you by SACL CAI. If you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you should get in touch with SACL CAI. Not only will they handle collections for you, but they also do early out billing and they purchase charged-off receivables. Their employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. See their banner at the top of our banner column over at freetalklive.com. As we continue with the news about Detroit, where there are approximately uh, 88,000 streetlights in their 139 square miles. Detroit, big place. 
but it may not be so big in the future because, well, they're trying to actually consolidate the population of the city. What remains of the population? It's now 60% less than it used to be uh, 60 years ago. So they're trying to consolidate the remaining uh, residents into smaller areas. And according to the central planners in Detroit, one of the ways they want to do that is by literally turning out the lights. Uh, and the, right now, they don't have to do that much as far as turning them out because 40% of their streetlights are broken. <laughs> That's just how bad things really are in so Detroit. Maybe this is just an excuse. To, they're going to say, oh, we're going to turn out the lights. Well, get, the lights are already out. I mean, have you started this already? Because maybe it's just sort of like... You know, it's their way of going, oh, well, we're embarrassed, but we can make the most of this. Well, by the way, they're not the only city doing it. Other U.S. cities, according to Bloomberg.com, have gone partially dark to save money, among them Colorado Springs, Santa Rosa, California, Rockford, Illinois. Detroit's plan goes further. It would leave sparsely populated swaths unlit in a community of 713,000 that covers more area than Boston, Buffalo, and San Francisco combined. Vacant property and parks account for 37 square miles of the city. Well, imagine imagine you're in your house and basically the city doesn't want you to live there anymore so they're trying to force you out and they start by turning off the lights yep and stop coming by repairing your street stop picking up your trash if it's municipal municipal trash pickup stop patrolling the streets at what point do you stop paying property tax exactly not only that but just the the gall of a city planner to tell people where they should live mm-hmm. people usually don't pay property tax based on the quality of the service like they uh, are getting because then you would have to justify like the roads in Keene are terrible. They're sure. some of the you know they're just not very good. But the property taxes here are higher than in other places. But it's not justified. People don't pay them because they're so happy with the services they get. They pay the high property taxes because people in government get to charge whatever they want. Well, they pay property tax. Or at least I pay property tax. I can't speak for everybody, but I think a lot of people pay property tax out of fear. Because they know inherently that something bad's going to happen to them if they don't pay whatever the criminal gang demands. But I, on the other hand, Ali, I think there are property owners who justify it in their minds. Yeah, I'm not happy with the condition of the roads here in Keene, but there are services I value like, and then blah, 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 fill in the blanks, the parks. Right. Or, you know, there's something that they like that the government does because the government has done so many things. It's inevitable that somebody's going to find something that they feel like, either whether they like it or not, or ha- are happy with it or not, they feel like, well, this is who provides it, so therefore I have to pay for it. And if I don't, they're going to hurt me. So that's another reason to pay for it. And people have all kinds of, I think, justifications for it. But that, that's my question here is, as the services start dropping off, as there's just no police, no lights, I mean, you know, how many more do you have to tick away before somebody finally takes a look at that property tax bill and the thought crosses their mind like, hmm, yeah, I could really use that thousand dollars well wouldn't that give the uh or two thousand or whatever the city you know that they cast this belly or the, the reason to come in and use force at this point oh well you're not paying your property tax now you're evicted you know maybe that's the point they're trying to goad them into a fight something where they can actually use force and without looking like uh, a bully Certainly a possibility. Detroit's dwindling income and property tax revenue has re- have required residents to endure unreliable buses and strained police services throughout the city. Because streetlights are basic to urban life, deciding what areas to illuminate will reshape the city, according to a project, a uh, founder of a project called Detroit 143, named for the 139 square miles of land plus water that publicizes neighborhood issues. 
This guy, uh, Kirk Chaffetz, says it touches kids going to school in the dark. It touches midnight mass at church. It touches businesses that want to stay open past 9 p.m. And it it touches crime big time. If you look at what happened in the U.K. with their big expensive camera system that they installed with, what, four million cameras across the entire state of uh, you know, Great Britain, across the entire area, they looked at it after years of it being in effect, and the studies showed that they didn't really do anything to statistically change uh, the crime rate. That What they found that was the most effective thing to reduce crime is a light on the street. So I bet you're going to see Detroit crimes uh, skyrocketing. And at the same time, you've got a cutback police force that's not going to be able to respond to it. That's right. Exactly. So the police are going to get lots of calls now. And because there's no lights, how are witnesses supposed to be able to identify people very well? And you've got yeah. all sorts of problems. And at that point, they probably aren't going to get to even investigate a lot of the violent crimes that they're going to get calls for. And there's I don't know what the I don't know if it has a name, but there's this theory that if you allow an area to deteriorate, that it just continues to deteriorate. So if like, you know, some punk kids break a window somewhere, the idea is you're supposed to repair that window because if you don't, it's more likely somebody else is going to come along, break another window. And so maybe that's what we're seeing with the streetlights is somebody broke a streetlight in some neighborhood and maybe to make it a better place for to commit a crime like a. You know, it's a, a not well lit street corner could be a good place to uh, to rob somebody. So they're breaking streetlights and the city's just, well, we can't afford to or we just don't feel like fixing it. So it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse to the point where now it's 40 percent of them are broken. Right. That's that's crazy to think about. Imagine that being your house. Like if your house, 40 percent of your lights were just out like every other room you go into. You just nope, can't turn on lights in here. Yeah. You can only look around during the daytime or get a flashlight. At, you know, at what point do they they just basically file for bankruptcy instead of trying to salvaging the city? Why not just file for bank- bankruptcy, sell it to private interests, as Ali said, sell off all the assets and just get out of the business of running people's lives? Sell them before the value goes even further down. Yeah, because I think what you're talking about is right. If you go into an area and you see a lot of degradation and broken, you know, bad siding and all kinds of just dirty, messy area... Your your the psychology that the effect it has on your mind, you think less of it, and I think is you know as a person whatever you are more willing to just like trash it or just leave mm-hmm. it that way because it's like well it's already trashed. No so, one else cares. Yeah, if no one cares, then that's that's bad economics though. What do you mean? If you just you know have something that you're not using and you're like oh I'm just gonna let it sit there and get old and and not se- if it has value and you're not gonna use it, sell it. Right. Someone else has use for it, and that's your in your incentive to do. Not to, don't just let it sit there and decay. Mm-hmm. So there's a problem I have with selling city assets. We can talk about that in a moment here at eight five five four fifty free. Uh, that's the SACL CAI toll free line one eight five five four five zero three seven three three. And maybe you live in Detroit, or maybe you're one of the many people that have left. You want to share your experience eight five five four fifty free toll free number. You take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want. It's free talk live. What has happened to America, and when did it become okay for the government to extort wealth from the American people? As a former law enforcement officer, I have explained in my new book, In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth, how absolute property ownership has been denied to the American people, how and why inflation is fleecing America, how law enforcement officers are being used to suppress and criminalize the beliefs of liberty and freedom. In Plain Sight explains how we can restore what was once a free America. Get your copy of In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth today at Amazon.com.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy those features that await you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. Here with you, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. Allie's here courtesy of Ladies in Keen. That is her radio program that she and a couple of other uh, lovely ladies perform every Sunday morning live over at lrn.fm, but also you podcast it on your website, ladiesandkeen.com. Exactly. You should go over there and give uh, listen to the previous shows. And yep, like you said, we're live every Sunday from 11 to 1. And uh, by the way, that's K-E-E-N-E, for those of you that don't know how to spell Keen, ladiesandkeen.com. There should be a fresh post up there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Kate, your one of your cohorts, she did a graduation speech last night at her high school graduation. She did. I saw the video uh, last night, and it's fantastic. She did a great job. She did do a good job. I was excited. to. See. It reminded me of the other story about the girl valedictorian who went up and told her story about how she thought the educational system was flawed, but Kate's was more... Uh, more striking the root, I guess. Sure. And of course, I wonder if uh, Kate will get anywhere near the coverage that this other girl did. I know which girl you're talking about. I think we even had her on the show uh, at one point. But Kate sure should get some coverage because of what she did. I mean, her message was really important. And I hope the audience was paying attention. Me too. But now you can see it if you weren't there, and most of you weren't. So go to ladiesandkeen.com and you can see that. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. We're talking about some pretty major changes that are happening in Detroit, where, like in a lot of places, the city government has had a major downturn in the uh, economic activity in the area. I mean, in Detroit's worse than most places, so it's interesting to see what's happening in a lot of different areas in this country exaggerated in the form of, uh, of Detroit. They're cutting back on policing significantly they're cutting back now on the street lights and already 40 percent of the city street lights are completely broken uh the city claims that uh, the city executives uh, claim that they will be moving certain street lights around or whatever i guess they're going to be you know like for instance they're going to decide where they want street lights to be and then they will fix some of the street lights in those areas in which they want street lights but the rest of you people that have been uh, deemed as let me see the term they use is distressed which is a term that they are using to describe areas of the city that are uh, that they say have a high degree of blight and little or no commercial activity so people have just They've just left. So no businesses, no shops, selling or stuff? Or very few. Okay. And so these are the areas that they're going to be completely pulling out of. But a single broken streetlight on the northeast side brings fear to Cynthia Perry, who's 55 years old. It hasn't worked for six years, she said in an interview on the darkened sidewalk where she walks from her garage to her house entrance. She says, I'm afraid coming in at night. I'm not going to seclude myself in the house and never go anywhere. In southwest Detroit, businesses on West Verner Highway, a main commercial thoroughfare, have sought $4 million in private grants to, sit, to fix the situation themselves. The state would pay $2.5 million, according to the president of the South Detroit Business Association. Jamal Maked, 40, says he's owned businesses in southwest Detroit for about two decades, and he said that they, uh, his cell phone stores have been burglarized more than a dozen times as wow. a result. He says, in the dark, criminals are comfortable. It's not good for the economy and the safety of the residents. And, of course, the city doesn't care. No. They want you to leave. Yeah, they're, they're usually, the people in the city government structure, they're usually living in areas of the city that are taken care of. Because they have an incentive to live in those areas and take care of those areas through their city government job. And not only that, but people 
across the country should make note of what's happening in Detroit because it's very possible that this could happen in a lot of other areas. And I'm not saying all of these symptoms, but some of them certainly could happen. Absolutely. Anywhere, just because the economy is what it is. And as people, you know, when a lot of people bought these mortgage towers, you know, these mortgages, which they couldn't afford, they got themselves in situations and basically that property tax isn't going to get paid in a lot of cities across the country. There's houses where they're foreclosed or the people just can't pay anymore, whatever. There's less property tax coming in, and so cities are going to have to adjust. I think that, although I have to, I have a little problem with what you said, because I think that it's more likely that their uh, financial issues aren't a aren't don't originate from people not paying their taxes, but from them spending way too much money on stuff no one needs. Oh, sure, yeah. You How about that stadium? I think there was a stadium that was built there for millions upon millions of dollars, and it sold. It was like a soccer stadium. It ended up selling for like 600000 But you're right that the way the government influences the economy makes it harder to make money. Even in the private world, it makes it harder to find jobs. And so, yeah, it's harder to pay your taxes on top of all of it. Right. And, and I think, you know, from the spending perspective, I, I, I guess I look at it from the tax perspective because that's the limiting factor in what they can actually do. The government would spend as much money as possible if people would just give it to them. So it's, 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 if we, but across the board, spending needs to, uh, to definitely be looked at by pretty much all governments everywhere. According to Bloomberg, there's already experience in snuffing out streetlights within Detroit's borders. Highland Park, a three-square-mile city encircled by its larger neighbors, so a city within a city, removed 1,100 of its 1,600 streetlights last year. That's about two-thirds. Yeah, that's the, uh, getting rid of assets right there, paying bills. By the way, they were they were paying bills. Uh, they were trying to pay off a $4 million debt to DTE Energy Company. The move is saving $45,000 a month, says a spokesman for the company. But does that mean they're actually paying their debt down or they're just not like their bill is just $45,000 less? It doesn't make that clear. Only major streets and intersections remain lit in the small city of 12,000, once home to Chrysler Group's namesake car manufacturer, as well as Henry Ford's first moving assembly line. And I think we've talked about Highland Park on this program in the past, and that's one of those areas where if you want to go to Zillow.com and pull up housing values, look at Highland Park just to get an idea. These guys took out two-thirds of their city's streetlights. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Colorado Springs, by the way, pulled their plug on 9,000 of its 25,000 lights to save $1.3 million a year. Some were relit as revenue improved, though 3,500 of them remain in the dark, saving half a million dollars per year. Uh, According to the story, north of the area which we were discussing previously, southwest Detroit, on a stretch of West Grand Boulevard, the bases of light poles show where thieves have even torn out wiring from the light poles. So we know they were going into the houses and taking out some of the copper, but they're actually stripping wire from the poles themselves. Oh, I'm sure there's there's some bold people in these areas which yeah. are pretty much desolate. Now, what, what I'm curious about is what about school spending? Obviously, there's less people living there, mm. so you're going to have question. less people going to school, needing less teachers. But it's sort of like, at what point does a city go, well, okay, we're not going to be able to make our budget, so what do we cut back on? And... 
I, you know, I, w- I really wish they'd cut back on schooling because I think that's the That'd source of a lot of problems. And, of course, that's one of those things the market can easily pick right up and, and do exactly. a much better job of. The marketplace, the, what remains of the free market, would, uh, would be able to create innovative schools that are competitive and affordable uh, for a lot of these people that are living in, in impoverished areas. But there's more here. Uh, according to the story, the Depo- Detroit's lighting department they have as many as 15,000 streetlights that use 1920s technology, according to a 2010 study. Upgrading that system would cost $140 million to $200 million and would also cost $5 million more to operate now than the $23 million spent annually, according to the report. So That's why so, is so that? much money. Why, why would it be that something that is 1920s technology would cost less money to operate than would something that is of state of the art. Right. Why would that be the case? It just doesn't make any sense. It's just crazy government. It's like crazy legal land. Well, it, yeah. None of it makes sense. I suppose once you have the government in charge of doing the buying and selecting of which products, it's not in their incentive to char- to select the most efficient product at the best price. It's in their incentive to f- to uh, select the product which they're incentivized under the table to choose through whatever friendship they have or or even, you know what, even it's not that. Let's not even go conspiracy. Let's just say they're dumb. Let's just say some of these government sure, people just are just incompetent. They don't know what they're doing. Well, I think that a lot of it's probably... So the, the government's probably buying more light bulbs than any just average person. Yep. So they're like, we have to buy the environmentally friendly light bulbs mm. for our city. And then they end up spending all this ridiculous money and they don't have the resources. Right. More coming up here about what's going on in Detroit as the city government there continues to cut back on services. And the, the marketplace, the people, are actually slowly becoming aware that they're going to have to pick up this ball themselves. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Are you excited about Flaming Freedom's bigger, gayer dance party at this year's Pork Fest? Oh, yeah. Well, you should be. There's going to be hopping dance music and a giant tent full of Liberty lovers getting their gay on. By gay? Do you mean happy? Uh, d- sure, Claire. Super Gay Dre is bringing his elite team of drag queens led by Fiolencia. There's going to be raffles for all kinds of prizes, as well as prizes for gayest costume, best drag queen, and best drag king. So get your ticket now for the insanely cheap price of just $5 at flamingfreedom.com slash dance party. Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll free, 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. Once again, 855-453. You can join us over at freetalklive.com. And you can help uh, create the content of the site, submit different things to it, vote up or down, whether you like or dislike and enjoy at freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy the program, you want to help support the show, you can shop with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com to enter Amazon through our affiliate links. Now, there's Amazons for Canada, the UK, as well as the US. So click into the right one for you and get your shopping taken care of. Once again, go to shop.freetalklive.com. It's the same great Amazon deals and selection that you're used to. It's just that Free Talk Live will get a cut when you enter through shop.freetalklive.com. We can talk more about Detroit in a moment here. We've got Dave on the line listening in Bedford, New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Oh, it's Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. Uh, Ridley, Dave. Hey. What's up, Dave? Hey, Ridley. Well, hey. I just wanted to talk a little bit about my experiences in Keene over the last 
few days. I was over there for two days uh, earlier this week. For those that don't know, though, Dave, let me give a little brief uh, intro uh, as to who you are. There's always new people tuning into this program. Uh, Dave, you do RidleyReport.com. It is a YouTube channel where you're uploading multiple videos every single week. And I think that you're probably the most consistent uh, prolific, yes. Yeah, the most prolific. Uh, Freaking TV is consistent as well, but uh, Dave is the most prolific and the most long-running yes. as well of, uh, of all of the videographers in the Liberty Movement up here. You moved up as an early mover for the Free State Project, and you've been a great window into the world of the activism movement here in New Hampshire, and I, I really appreciate all the work that you do, Dave, and I, I'm glad. It's, it's always nice to see you come out to Keene. It doesn't happen often enough, so it was great having you here earlier this week. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's the second most popular YouTube channel in New Hampshire now. Wow. How do you figure that out? Well, I just, you know, Googled New Hampshire on YouTube, or I searched New Hampshire on YouTube, uh, and I just looked at all the videos I could find. You know, anyone that seemed to be doing pretty well and getting a lot of hits, I would check and see. I'm, you know, I would go to their channel and see. Like, there's one that's, uh, you know, really doing well. Uh, the people that made the... Uh, oh, you know those those rap songs about New Hampshire? Is it Super those, Secret those, Project? I think they call themselves. Yeah, I think they have a little bit more traffic than I do, but they're based in Boston. So, oh, really? Um, so that would they would be? I would be the third most if they were based here. But I see. They're based in Boston. Who's, who's number one? Who do you have to beat? Channel Nine. I see. Nice. The, Number the two to the uh, the only television That's station That's in great, New Hampshire Dave. is uh, is Dave Ridley. So uh, you came to Keene, I believe it was due to the the Biden visit, correct? Uh, Joe, Joe Biden had come to Keene to uh, to do some campaigning, and uh, you were definitely here for that. Was that your motivation to get out here? Well, I had been planning on coming out to run some errands just when there was something else going on. So as soon as I saw that was going on, I thought, okay, that's my excuse to come out and get the errands done. Um, and uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about, I mean, I've already been running some of the video from the Biden event, but I wanted mm-hmm. to, I shot so much tape out there over the last few days, uh, and I, so much different stuff happened that it's going to take forever for it to all filter through the, through the YouTube channel. So I That's how it goes in Keene, Dave. There's always uh, something going on. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I wanted to give you like a summary, like a news summary of the interesting things that happened to me while I was Great. there. Uh, one thing was I went to a city council meeting, or was it, just, it was actually just some committee meetings uh, uh, a couple days ago, and, uh, you know, performed my little ambush interviews outside, you know, to try to get all the different counselors to talk to me and the chief of police and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. just see how they react and who says what and who wants to run away and who wants me to turn the camera off. And the thing I was struck by, I did this maybe, you know, eight months ago and then before that a year ago. The thing I was struck by this time was that it seemed like the counselors were more normal. They were less bureaucratic. They were more friendly. They were less likely to refuse to speak. Hmm. I wonder why. Well, I think there has been a change on the city council, and, and this isn't the only piece of evidence for it. Um, if you look at the Bearcat vote, how different it was with the new council versus the old council. I right. think there is a pro-liberty uh, drift or direction slightly on the on the Keene City Council. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but uh, certainly there was an impact because of the Bearcat activism that happened. For those that are, are unaware, uh, Keene is the only place, at least according to the Bearcat representatives, the people that are marketing this militaristic uh, tank that is being put in police departments across the country. There are over 300 of these things. Odds are good if you're in a medium to large uh, city, your police department has more than one of them. And it's a very intimidating-looking tank. And Keene is the only place to have ever provided any level of 
let's say, pushback, resistance, or any kind of speaking out right. uh, against this thing, any organization uh, against it. And they had a real tough time bringing the Bearcat to Keene. They ended up being successful. But what you're referring to, uh, Dave, is there was this two different votes. There was one vote in 2011 at the very end of the year. So the that city council, the kind of the outgoing city council, which had a few lame ducks on it, voted Almost completely in favor of the Bearcat. It was 13 to 1. And then the final vote on the Bearcat, I think, was 9 to 4 or 9 to 3. But what had happened was, I think it was 9 to 4. But what had happened was that there were new counselors that had been elected. They had never voted on the issue previously because they were brand new. So this was their first time to vote on it. They voted against it. But every single counselor who voted for it originally that was still on the council still voted for it. So it was really a sad story in that there was this huge outcry against the Bearcat from both you know people on the left, people on the right, people who are completely apolitical. I mean, all kinds of people in Keene, people, even people within the Keene government. I mean, there were people that, all over the place, probably 80% of Keene was firmly against the the Bearcat, and not one of the original city councilors changed their minds on that issue. So I don't know, Dave, maybe I'm glad that you're able to experience it differently because you're only here every so often, so you can notice a sort of a change like that. But for me, I, you know, I don't see it happening. So the council does not have to be 20% more pro-liberty to be more pro-liberty. Mm-hmm. It just has to be 1, 2, 5, 10% more, something you can notice, you know. And I, I only have this anecdotal evidence to go on. But anyway, going back to the Bearcat, that was one of the first, that was the first question I asked folks out there was, why is it? Why is it? If we have a, rep, if it was a representative democracy here, why did no vote change after all that public outcry? Good that question. Is, that is a great point that I, you know, have been trying to make since the whole Bearcat thing happened, because most people in Keene know uh, when you say the word Bearcat, they think of this and they start getting angry about how they voted on it. And it just bears the question, isn't this supposed to be representation? Aren't they supposed to go by what the people want? No, no one wants this. They'll tell you that, it, that that's not it. They'll tell you that they have been elected to make their own decision. Wow. Not to do about what the what the people want. But what did they tell you, uh, Dave, when you asked them that question? The most interesting thing, the most interesting answer I got was from one of the new counselors. I don't remember his name. I've got it written down. But um, he, he, I said, so that, you know, that's like the follow-up question, right? And I, I would say, why did no votes change after the outcry? And people would say, well, I'm not sure. And my follow-up question was always, okay, so do we live in a representative democracy or not? Mm. And, um, and, and one of the counselors said, well, in theory. In theory. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you live in my democracy. And he's a state rep, so he also he sees it from all the different directions, you know. But again, demeanor counts for something, and it was interesting to me just to watch. You know, normally, like last last couple times I've been there, people were treating me like I was radioactive, like, "Oh, we're gonna stay away from him." Scary, scary. He's got a and camera. Then, but, but this time, I found people, you know, counselors drifting back over to me and just engaging mm-hmm. in conversation, you know, while I was waiting for for another counselor to come by. So, uh, you know, again, it was just, I felt more like I was at the State House than the, you know, People's Republic of Keene chambers. You know what I mean? That's good, man. I mean, I'll take that. I think that's, that's, a, good, that's yeah. a good sign that maybe things could possibly change. Maybe you've gotten more approachable, Ridley. Well, no, most of these people didn't have any idea who I was. So um, mm. even, the, even I think the sitting city councilors that may have talked to me before probably had vague memories. So it was, it was still like a, a virgin take on the thing. Mm. So Fascinating. So you've been busy, yeah. man. I mean, you only, you were only here for what two or three days. 
Right, but it doesn't. It, I don't have to be around something very long to get a lot of good tape. I just have to have something happening, you know. Right. And the, and a council meeting is good, and Biden event is good, and you know, there's just a lot of stuff to photograph. So, well, I firmly believe that Keene is a. Uh, it's a place where there's potential for political change. I think that because of the nature of some of the high-profile civil disobedience-style non-cooperative activism that has happened here over the years, and and JJ, you and I, we've been here for quite a while. Uh, Dave, you you were here before. JJ and I were here. You were one of the original movers to Keene, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so there's been a long history of kind of outside the system, challenging, uh, disobedient activism here. And that's, that tends to attract a certain type of, of uh, person. But I think that if people came to Keene who were, and of course we're all of us on the show right now, 100% of us are here in New Hampshire because of the Free State Project to get together with others who are of like mind and who want to get active. I think if we have more people active in the political system in Keene, we'd see more change uh, coming in a positive direction. I really sure. believe that. I can see that. Dave, I know you might want to tell us more. You're welcome to stick with us. Would you like to do that? Oh, I never turned down more publicity. Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. Uh, yeah, he's going to come back with us here in moments uh, after the news, and we'll, of course, take your calls about whatever's on your mind as well at 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. The liberty movement is bursting at the seams with women from all walks of life who are courageously dedicating their time and energy in the pursuit of a freer society. Every day, the message is spread by this small but growing demographic. This year, at the Porcupine Freedom Festival... The creators of Silver Circle will be giving away the first ever Zoe Taylor Award. Zoe Taylor is the lead female rebel in the upcoming animated film Silver Circle, whose dedication to destroying the Federal Reserve makes her a positive female role model. Nominate who you think deserves the Zoe Taylor Award today by sending an email with the name and a 300-word minimum essay of why you think this person deserves the Zoe Taylor Award to award at silvercirclemovie.com. The deadline for nominations is June 1st at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit silvercirclemovie.com for more details. This is Free Talk Live. 855-453-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Head over to freetalklive.com where you can actually control the content of the website. Uh, What you can do is submit different stuff you find online that you think is interesting. Whatever URL, maybe it's a YouTube video or perhaps a blog post you enjoyed or a news item, you can submit it as show prep and then other listeners uh, will vote as to whether or not they like or dislike your suggestion, the most liked making it to the front page and the top of the site over at freetalklive.com. Uh, Ali and JJ are joining me as they are now on Friday nights. Thanks for being here, of course. And, of course, thank, uh, thanks to you in advance for calling. You can bring up anything you want, like Dave is. Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com, longtime uh, friend of Free Talk Live. In fact, Dave, I don't know how long it's been, but I've been one of your advertisers for, you know, full disclosure, uh, I am one of Dave Ridley's advertisers in the form of FreeKeen.com and uh, Free Talk Live and LRN.FM. And, Dave, I, how long have we been uh, in an arrangement together? It seems like it's been quite a while now but you've been a better friend to me than i have you <laughs> it's been, i think since uh oh i would say oh eight was when you started advertising uh freaking 
I think it's important to you know to, to support people in the movement that are doing good work. And one of the reasons why I moved here was to encourage more activism. And if I can do that with my not just my voice on the radio, but also some of the dollars that I uh, they have at my disposal, then I will certainly do that. And I have to say that uh, I'm more than happy to give a testimonial to Dave Ridley. People act when it comes to his advertisements. Like Dave will bring people. I mean, if you've got something that's interesting, if you've got something that's terrible, then you know no advertising can help with that. But if you've got a good product or website or whatever it is that you want to get out there, I uh, definitely am a, a believer in in the Ridley Report as a as a delivery vehicle for that message. Uh, and you are somebody who's very prolific, as uh, JJ put it earlier, with your activism, which is almost entirely of a video a video sort. But in some cases, you do other activism, like uh, some of the things I think that that you'd be you've become known for at least to me uh sort of ridleyisms if you will are uh, like one of my favorite things that you do is you'll go in somewhere and you'll hold a sign at a location and then eventually the bureaucrats will get sick of you and they'll tell you to leave and uh when you're finally threatened by like some guy with a gun uh you will end up leaving but you'll back out of the location very very slowly and you'll just kind of slowly extract yourself from the situation you won't do it in the way they want you to they want you to turn tail and zip on out of there but you just go back words as slowly as possible rolling your camera the entire time and there was an instance uh, not too long ago when that actually ended up you ended up getting arrested uh, because the cops at a hotel in nashua didn't like that you weren't leaving in the way they expected you to although you did leave when you were told to leave they didn't like that they ended up arresting you and you won that case in court correct yeah i don't think i don't think they'll do that again but anything is possible and are you counter suing in that uh, case for like some sort of damages Yes, and it's one of these long, drawn-out, nothing-happening, waiting-for-response-type situations right now. Gotcha. I hope you'll keep us in the loop with uh, with what transpires with that. I don't know if we've yet had an activist counter-sue and, uh, and get some sort of a settlement up here. I know it happened with Nathan Cox down in Virginia, one of the guys from copblock.org, uh, but, but up here I don't think that's, that has occurred yet. Are you aware of that happening, Ridley? I'm not aware of one, but I think Catherine Bleich is also suing Nashua PD. Uh, she's an activist that didn't actually live here, but was just visiting, and she was arrested. Mm-hmm. Somewhat similar circumstance. So you were giving us a recap of some of the things that you experienced earlier this week in our very own Keene, New Hampshire, one of the, uh, the one of the destinations for liberty activists who are coming here as part of the Free State Project or the Shire Society. So what else did you want to share with us? Well, let's see. The other interesting thing was during the meeting, uh, you know, as people were going in, I, I interviewed Councillor Denincia. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. That's close uh, enough. She looked vaguely familiar to me, but I didn't, didn't remember her name. Anyway, I, the other question I was asking some folks was, well, what are your concerns, if any, about freaking? What is there something you don't like about them? You know, and... Um, and she said, well, you know, they can be kind of... I can't remember everything she said, yeah. but... but, but there were some counselors that said they can be, you know, kind of annoying. Most of what they do is legal, live and let live, that kind of thing. Uh, what she said was interesting. Uh, I think she, 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 I can't remember if she indicated that she disagrees with some things, but she, she said, you know, I'll tell you something. One, once, there was a time when once when I had to go to the hospital, and the person who drove me there was a free keener. Interesting. That was very interesting. I had never heard that, so. I had never uh, heard that either. Yeah, I didn't know that either. 
I know that she, uh, you know, she's somebody who's lived in the area for a long time. So somebody else that has gotten involved with local activism and is a free keen blogger is Heike Corser, who has known that particular lady for a long, long time. So maybe that was the, that situation. I'm, I'm not certain. But Keene is such a small place. Uh, one of the reasons why I, I wanted to move here was because I felt like I'd have a bigger impact in a place like Keene with my activism than I would in a larger city like, say, Manchester, which has more than four times the population of Keene. So I just felt, felt like it was a, a more a viable destination. But you know, just to give you an example, the lady you're talking about literally lives down the street from me. So I mean, these people, you know where they live, and they know where you live, and there's something about that that contributes to people being a little friendlier, I think, with, uh, with one another. I mean, sure. it helps that uh, I think a lot of activists try to come from a perspective of love and, and understanding when it comes to what these government people are, are doing to us. And I think certainly having a, the, you know, the moniker, the tagline of peaceful evolution at freekeen.com helps keep that, uh, that peaceful-oriented mindset. Obviously, these folks wouldn't be as friendly as they are if we were constantly angry at them or mad or upset right. at the uh, the things that they're doing. And it's easy to get mad and upset at the things that the government people do. I think that's one of the critiques, valid critiques of activism is that some people seem angry when they're doing it. And I think it sends the wrong message. For sure. I think the peaceful sort of history that, that Keen has had as far as activism goes has led to a good deal of this sort of um, getting along and being, I, I don't want to say understanding because I, I, I think a lot of these bureaucrats aren't very understanding. What I think it is, is they're more likely to, to not just dismiss and, and just, you know, call them terrorists, you know, like the, the American way, basically, if you disagree with someone, you call them a terrorist mm-hmm. and then you, you make them disappear or whatever. They can't do that because the, the peaceful aspects of so much of what's gone on has sort of removed the, some of the tools from their toolbox. Right. We're peaceful and we're not strangers because we're neighbors and everybody sees everybody over and over again in a, in a place that's relatively small. Whereas, you know, when I lived in Sarasota, Florida, which had 10 times the population of the area in which I'm, I'm living now, uh, if not more than 10 times. But uh, th- when I lived there, I didn't know who any of the government bureaucrats were. They certainly didn't know who I was. And so there's a, there's a disconnect there where it's easier to look at people that are government bureaucrats in larger cities where there's that disconnection. It's easier to look at them as more like monsters or evil people or whatever. But they are humans, and uh, just like we are. And everybody's fallible. Everybody makes mistakes. Uh, and I think that being in a smaller place helps bring people to that mutual understanding of, oh, these are actually my neighbors. These are actually people. They've got feelings they've got families they've got things they want uh they want to be you know cared about etc and i think that there's there's some walls that have come down and certainly have uh have, are, i think are going to come down more over time as more people move here to new hampshire as part of the free state project and start making more connections in the community i, I just don't think there's any way to uh, to avoid that from happening so that's why i think it's so important we get more people here sooner rather than later yeah anything else you want to share dave uh, I guess uh, the other interesting thing was that I asked Chief Miola twice in two different contexts. That's the police uh, chief about the uh, shooting, the cop shooting of a burglar while he was fleeing, and he wouldn't talk to me. He is giving me the silent treatment as well. Most of the government bureaucrats around here are pretty friendly, uh, but he refuses to basically even acknowledge my presence at this point. Well, I, I shouldn't say that he wouldn't talk to me. He did talk to me in the sense of interrupting my second question, just to say, no, I won't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, and then the, uh, and then the other interesting thing is I got pulled over uh, while I was there, too. Uh, that was actually in uh, West Berlin. 
And that turned out to be actually a very positive experience. I mean, again, you'll see it all and on it's, video. Right, it's all on video because Dave's always got his camera rolling, and you can see it all over or as it's posted because it's taking you a while to get uh, get all of this footage posted and, and edited up. Some of it you're just posting up raw uh, just because you have so much. Over at RidleyReport.com. Plus, you also mentioned to me, and by the way, it's YouTube.com slash RidleyReport. I think you also mentioned to me that it was great the last few days because there were other people with video cameras rolling, and they have uploaded their videos raw to the Internet, to their YouTube channels, to where you can then use video that you're pulling down from other activists to make your videos even better. Yeah, I've already edited Kelly's into the next video. or the one after Perfect. Next. That's Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. Thanks, Dave, for the update. Appreciate it. More coming up. Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society, the wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves at 855-453-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are awaiting for you there. That's uh, freetalklive.com, and features include news updates. You can get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever method works best for you. They are all free, and you can link to them all from news.freetalklive.com. That's news.freetalklive.com. And by the way, we were just talking with Dave Ridley there for a couple segments because he's always got something interesting going on, constantly out with his video camera recording uh, the activism scene. And he's also frequently found at the State House in uh, in Concord. He just goes all over the place and he, he does great work. And it's one of those stories where Dave Ridley has managed to to make this his full time career. I mean, he's he's somebody who's turned his activism project into something that is what he does. And I think that's something a lot of activists would like to do because activism's great. I mean, it's rewarding, it's fun, you're spreading good ideas, uh, and if you can profit from it, and if you can you know, make a living off of it, or at the very least pay your bills, then it's really nice to be able to do that. So kudos to Dave for uh, for, for being able to make that transition. It's oh. tricky. And you can get creative. Uh, Dave has does sort of his own thing, and he has his own style, and it's a great opportunity for media people to come up here and try a new way of producing media for people because the mainstream way isn't the only way. And we do use his videos quite frequently on uh, Freaking TV as uh, he does cover a lot of uh, interesting topics and topics that people um, have... I, I don't know, are persuasive. I, it's it's good stuff. Unlike people in mainstream media, Dave Ridley is someone who's not afraid to ask tough questions right. of, uh, of people. And that's just something you don't get from the mainstream. And we've uh, belabored that point uh, quite a bit recently. Our number here tonight is 855-450-FREE if, if you would like to uh, take control of the airwaves. But I wanted to point out that Dave Ridley, I don't believe, has missed a Porcupine Freedom Festival yet. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen him there every single year. I've been there, and I've been there every year, so or every year that I've been in New Hampshire. And it's coming up in less than a month's time. 
Uh, there's a lot to prepare for for those of us that are doing uh, preparations. Like JJ, you're putting together the musical lineup for the event. Yep. Uh, of course, Free Talk Live will be there broadcasting live every single night. Uh, there are going to be all manner of different uh, performances. There's, I think you've got a couple comedians lined up, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, for the comedian, we do have uh, one one comedian, but uh, we're basically focusing on things like Wheels Off Liberty and, mm-hmm. and The Roast and Soapbox Idol. So there's a lot of good comedy, but there's also a lot of very interesting panels and talks. It's going to be packed. Uh, there's There's more to do this year than ever before. And when I say more to do, I mean on like the official itinerary. There's also other things happening outside of that. Uh, there's the Alternatives Expo that has their own list of things and, and you know speeches and uh, panels and stuff like that that's going on. So there's always stuff that's even happening in this kind of ancillary to the the main event to the official uh, schedule. You can go to porkfest.com. P o r c f e s t. Of course, plenty of family fun events and games and there's all kinds of fun stuff. So everybody from families to couples to singles, uh, the big gay dance party or the bigger Gayer Dance Party, I believe it's called uh, this it? year. Yeah, uh, that's going on, and it's just going to be an absolute blast. Go to porkfest.com, P O R C F E S T dot com. And the best part about Porkfest is that you get to meet other people that get it when it comes to the ideas of liberty, people that understand what freedom means. And you can get a taste of what it's like to be around a community of liberty minded people all the time. Yeah. I know that Hunter, uh, I believe, left a expensive watch on a, a picnic table as an experiment, mm-hmm. and he came back the next day, and it was still, still there. Still there. Wow. So, things like that. I do. I did feel like at last year's Pork Fest, I wasn't super concerned about people stealing stuff. I don't know why. That probably sounds naive, but I, I just, I thought, who would steal at Pork Fest? Because you're immediately going to be, you know looked down upon by the community if that word gets out about that so yeah i didn't have any problems with that either it seemed like everyone there was on their best behavior i generally think that's true i i think that though it is still a public event uh there are it's not like we own the whole campground although the super the super majority of people on the campground are there for pork fest uh there are still some folks that are there you know that they kind of timeshare out uh there, there's certain, I guess, parts of the park where there's people that are just there for several weeks on end. Right. Seasonal uh, rental, renters. Exactly. So uh, it's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. You don't want to miss it. If you've considered making a move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, you don't want to miss Porkfest. That's right. If you just think it's neat what's going on and you just want to meet some of the characters like Dave Ridley, he's going to be there. A lot of these folks are, are going to be there. All three of us, we're, uh, we're going to be there. And probably about a thousand other people, maybe even more than a thousand other like-minded, liberty-oriented folks. That's what it's all about for me is, is being able to meet uh, people that care about freedom and and hopefully have new people. Like you, Allie, you're relatively new to the area. You just moved in uh, last summer. Yeah, well, after, right after Porkfest, I had told everyone at Porkfest, I'll come in two months. And basically two months later, you I was here. kept your word. Yep. It's fantastic. You got to keep your word for people at Porkfest. I mean, you don't want to be fraudulent. <laughs> so uh, don't miss it. It's a blast. And if you do miss it, well, there's always another one next year. 855-450-FREE. We were talking in the last hour about Detroit and how it is they are shutting down traffic lights all around the city. Excuse me, not traffic lights. Uh, they're shutting down street lights. And in fact, many of them, they don't even have to turn off because 40% of them are already broken in their 139 square miles, there are 88,000 streetlights and 40% don't work. They're going to be shutting down a number of them, as has Highland Park, which is actually a three-square-mile city within the city of Detroit. So it's encircled by Detroit. Highland Park has shut down 1,100 of its 1,600 streetlights. So about two-thirds of Highland Park streetlights have been shut down. 
And some residents are rightfully concerned about this, considering that, well, streetlights contribute to a lower crime rate. And Cynthia Perry, who's 55, has lived for six years now with no streetlight near her house. It has been broken right. for six well, years. Okay, as, as, as a you know, principled individual, I would say, well, if you want light on your property or outside your property, you ought to provide it. You should have a motion sensor so that when you come in your sure. driveway, it turns on and you have the light you want. Don't depend upon the city to give you the, what you want. Oh, absolutely. But then again, she can only go so far beyond her property line with sure. uh, with lighting, right? Yep. I mean, she might be able to light her own property, but if she has to walk out to the bus stop uh, to go to the to work in the morning at six o'clock, then she's SOL at right. that point. Yeah. Uh, so so she's pretty concerned about that. And uh, the city, by the way, is uh, let's see. Besides streetlights, the Detroit Lighting Department provides electricity. This is from Bloomberg.com to 144 customers. That include the Detroit schools and local government offices. Almost 22% of the city's electric bills were unpaid. Are currently, I guess, unpaid. That's just one reason Detroit is digging out of a $265 million deficit and saddled with more than $12 billion in long-term debt. And by the way, as I understand it, the uh, city, excuse me, the, the state of Michigan is not in good financial shape either. So it's not like the state's going to be able to come in and bail out Detroit Detroit is going to have to figure something out on its own unless the federal government somehow steps in. I mean, they, it's wouldn't a this, mess. Wouldn't this be good? Maybe it's just a fantasy, if you will, but the, the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution to, to a degree with uh, Henry Ford's you know, in, industrial line. What if it's mm-hmm. the first city to sell itself off and become a private city? That would be amazing. It'd be incredible. We will see. Of course, uh, what would their, the, the bureaucrats' motivations be to do something like that? Yeah, I don't... I, we I know guess they're, just fantasizing. they're trying to reduce the size of the city, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the areas in which they're shutting down these lights, in which they're basically removing all semblance of government services. 855-450-FREE. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Listening options included live streams. We've got those in different flavors. Uh, We've got the broadband, mid-band, and narrow-band versions. So 64K, 32K, 16K, whichever bitrate fits your internet connection, you may use whichever one works best. Over at listen.freetalklive.com. Also, you'll learn about the over 100 great radio stations that air the show at various different times throughout the week across the country. Uh, plus our satellite listening options, which uh, include XM Satellite Radio, as well as our free-to-air KU band channel covering all of North America, webcam, and listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way. Listen.freetalklive.com to get the details. Bitcoins are the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. With Bitcoins, there are no contracts to sign or terms of service by which to abide. 
Anybody can download the free Bitcoin software. And by the way, I did just re-download the Bitcoin software recently, and it's it's new. They've updated it. It's a little bit easier to use, I think, than it has been in the past. And that's what you're going to see happen with Bitcoin as uh, new people jump into this open source movement. It'll become better, more robust, easier to uh, to use, easier for the end user. And if you've never heard of Bitcoins before or you'd like to get a briefing on what they're all about, please go to weusecoins.org. Bitcoins are so simple. The idea is decentralized money. It's money that's not being created by some government bank, some central bank, or some corporation. No, no, no. It's all completely decentralized. It's meaning that there's no node that you can't just take out one node and have the entire operation go down. You can you can take out a bunch of them and the whole thing is going to still be operating because it doesn't depend on any one entity to exist. There are millions of people that are using Bitcoin around the world and over time it's just going to get more and more useful. Uh, it's already pretty useful as is. Go to weusecoins.org to learn more and thanks to bitinstant.com you can have your Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank to buy your bitcoins with cash visit bitinstant.com we've been discussing uh, detroit uh, the fall of what was once a great city uh back back in 19 in the 1950s they had way greater of a population this population has gone down by 60 percent since that time and of course with that fall in population combined with the bad economy Combined with a huge government, you know, a huge city government, because we know that governments don't get smaller voluntarily. Right. They don't. They don't choose to cut budgets on their own. They only do it when economic circumstances force them to having to do it. And that's what's happening now in Detroit. You know, the uh, you just can't get away from the right. laws of the uh, like, economics. Like a parasite, they just continue to grow and feed off the host taxpayer. Until there isn't any food coming in. And then they, they get smaller to survive because the parasite doesn't actually want to perish. It's right. going to do whatever it can to survive and make it through the hard times until it can gorge on more taxpayer money. So we're seeing them cut back on a variety of different things. In fact, I found another piece here about, uh, I think it's the Detroit Free Press. It's reporting on their 2013 2012-2013 budget and some of the cuts that they're making in this because they have to. Uh, but we're also telling you about how they're slicing back on streetlights, uh, going to be cutting in half the amount of active streetlights that they, they have in the city. They say that uh, delivering services in Detroit is uh, to a thin, thinly spread population is expensive, according to Bloomberg.com. Some 20 neighborhoods, each a square mile or more, are only 10 to 15 percent Occupied. Could you imagine one in ten houses on your street? That's like you're the only one on your block. That's desolation. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Whose streets are these? Our streets. Yeah, they are. <laughs> that's. Can you imagine? I mean, I. I. That's hard to really envision. No, I mean it's literally a ghost town in some areas. Yeah. I'm sure. In twenty neighborhoods. According to John Mock, law professor at Wayne State University, he specializes in urban law and policy, says the city can't force residents to move, and it's almost impossible under Michigan law for the city to seize properties for development. Mock said landowners can demand many times what property would fetch on the open market. He said the, these are there are tremendous political, administrative, financial, and to some degree legal obstacles. Unless you phase out a neighborhood altogether, you still need lighting and waste pickup and police and fire protection. But that's 
what they're pulling. They're pulling police protection. They're pulling lighting. So while this lawyer is saying you need these things, apparently the city of Detroit is saying, well, we're just not going to provide them to you. We have no obligation. No, they don't. Right. And, and are they, they're not cutting back on taxes to make up for the lack of services. Is That's a good question. Because that well, still crowds out people's ability to contract private people because to provide they're paying the into the city because they're paying the same amount as they were when the services were better than they are now but right it doesn't affect how much they pay this should be a real heads up to anybody out there who hasn't taken us seriously when we have said that the supreme court has ruled again and again the government has no obligation to protect you not only have they ruled they have no obligation to protect you but they have no obligation no one in government no government agency has any obligation to provide you with any of their services anything Right. And this really makes it crystal clear. They don't have to have police around. They don't have to have the police respond. They don't have to have streetlights that are working. They don't have well, to do – and they don't have to repair your streets. They don't have to do anything. And, and that, that statement there, they don't have no obligation to provide you with anything, but yet you have an obligation to pay for their services – if if an individual out there not can't, a real obligation, you only have an obligation, and because they might come with guns to exactly, kill you. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I guess that doesn't. Yeah, that actually does. Count. No contractual obligation. Right, right. you didn't agree to uh, the deal. Your, your obligation comes through force. Right. So if anyone out there can can take those two images and juxtapose them together in their mind, they can see that well, government is bad. That that's not. Good. That's not how things should be. Well, the be. people before you, JJ, before you're around, see, there are some people that agree that this is how it's going to be. And so since you're born into this world, you're kind of beholden to the uh, decisions of people before you. But I didn't agree to their decisions. But it doesn't matter, JJ. That's just the way things are. Born into slavery. Oh, no. Uh, according to Freep.com's the Detroit Free Press, Detroit's Human Services Department will be eliminated. This is a story about their budget. For the 2012 to 2013 services, year. which is... I believe that's like healthcare and right. stuff like that, like like a government welfare uh, program. The transportation and lighting departments will be privatized, and 2,600 jobs will be cut, including EMS and firefighters, under a $1.12 billion budget sent to the mayor by the city council. Frustrations boiled during more than two hours of council discussion about that budget, which includes many of the nearly $250 million in spending reductions proposed by the mayor. Most of the disagreement was about whether the city could even approve a budget that was crafted through a consent agreement that four of nine council members did not support and that the city's top lawyer has been declared illegal. And this kind of gives you some insight into how difficult it is to, even within the, uh, even within the ideal of uh, reducing the size of government, trying to do that within a system that has so many built-in safeguards and protections for the system itself and for the employees of those systems like government unions, for instance, these organizations make it very difficult to cut back on size of government because these unions will scream to, you know, the heavens and, you know, say, well, you can't cut us. You're obligated to pay us this rate for whether we work or not, and you're obligated to give us all this money on pensions as well. Well, see, is it... You know, okay, so the government's making contracts with people, but the government is just an idea, you know, like in a philosophical sense, but then also in a sense that it's making a contract and instead of being personally culpable for the contract, what they're basically saying is, yeah, all the people that I represent are agreeing to uh, this contract I have with you. So then when all the people they represent... uh, you know, the population declines and there aren't as many people to represent. And there aren't as many uh, cash cows. Then 
the obligation was it obviously means the obligation wasn't legitimate in the first place since the government has no business making contracts. Right. Eventually, they're going to keep screaming and yelling and they're keep they're going to keep taking cities to court, but eventually the unions are going to have they're going to lose because as long as the money's drying up, at some point some cuts are going to have to be made and that's what they're doing here with uh, looking like 2600 government jobs uh, to be cut in this next year's budget. 855-450-FREE, although I'm curious to know how many employees the city yeah, has as What whole. didn't they cut? That's what I'm curious about. E- exactly. We'll come back with more here, uh, a little bit more about some of the uh, the failures of Detroit, watching as a government, uh, well, does what all governments do. They fail, and uh, <laughs> in this case, they're failing extra hard, and it's, it's fascinating. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. Toll-free number, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features free. But if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, join the AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is that you send in three bucks a month to the show. We'll take that money and invest it into getting on more great radio stations across the country and bringing more internet listeners on board to expose new people to the ideas of freedom. We are up to 106 radio stations at this current point in time. Those are licensed FCC stations. That doesn't include any stations that might be taking our content. 106? And airing it without any permission. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, not too Congratulations. shabby. No, thank you very much. I appreciate it. But and it's, it's, the unseen, for people listening, the unseen is that Ian, obviously being the Free Talk Live principal, Ian invests uh, some of the money he gets through the success of the show into other liberty activism. It's true. And he has helped uh, sponsor and... I mean, he's been huge sponsors for Liberty Forum, for uh, Porkfest, and all kinds of different uh, activities conducted by activists. He's not spending the money on Bentleys. No, he's not. No, I don't even have a car that's operable (laughs) right now. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, I have a car that's operable, but it's not legal. How about that? Uh, So, yeah. I just wanted to say that. Thanks. I appreciate I appreciate that. You know, well, that's why I moved here. I, I mean, I moved here to be active. I moved here to support other activism. I, you know, I can't do everything myself. And so anything else that somebody else wants to do that I think is a good idea, I'm going to put some money behind it. And uh, so that's why I've donated to Derek J's uh, fund where, if, if, for those of you that don't know, Derek J, one of our co-hosts, is in jail as we speak. He's going to be there for another, I think, 35 days or so or 30-some uh, days. He's got about another month remaining. And uh, he's he's a hero of mine. I mean, he's a really great activist, really brave guy who ended up getting in a little bit over his head yeah. as far as non-cooperation and civil disobedience. And he learned it the hard way, unfortunately. Uh, but after he gets out of jail, he's going to be doing a tour. Uh, Derek J is going to be imposing a self-imposed exile. And this is sad for all of us yes, because we love Derek and he's so much fun to uh, to spend time with. Uh, but he'll be... This will be good for everyone else around the country because they're gonna gonna get to have Derek J come for a visit. Which I mean, go. how cool is that? Ambassador. I'm not that uh, virtuous. I think he should just <laughs> stay here. 
Well, I don't blame him for wanting to I don't blame him for wanting to get away for a year because he's going to be on a suspended sentence and it's a suspended sentence of 540 days. So if he's arrested again within that year's period of time and they they seem to have his number, so they seem to be out to get him to some extent. Uh if he's arrested again in New Hampshire, then they can bring those charges back uh, or they can bring the that 540 days back on him. So I think his plan is a pretty good plan in that he's going to go around the country and meet up with liberty-minded people all over the place. And he's on the hunt for some of the best liberty activism that's going on outside of the Shire, outside of, uh, of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And so I think it'll be great. He's going to be video documenting it and continuing to make uh, free agents radio news. And so he's still going to be doing activism. Yeah, I think he's a great ambassador. I think he's going to definitely represent uh, a lot of what goes on here well. And uh, he's going to spread the ideas and message and, and get a lot more people on board. So. Absolutely. By the time he gets back a year later there's going to be all new faces that will be moving to new hampshire as a result not just of, of Derek's activism but as a result of other things that that are attracting them here uh and so i'm glad so i gave that as an example of one of the activism projects i've recently contributed to because he's trying right. to raise money to help sponsor his travels because mm-hmm. it's you know it's not free to travel around the country and so i threw uh, 150 bucks in there and you guys can throw in 10 or 20 or whatever it is you can afford uh you can link to Derek's fundraiser from his one of his websites Probably the easiest one to go to is victimlesscrimespree.com. Uh, it's the new site that uh, that I put together f- to promote what is going to be a full-length, feature-length uh, documentary about Derek's exploits here in Keene. And there's a link on the right-hand side of the page uh, to his fundraiser, so you can see that there. Nice. That's victimless, yeah, victimlesscrimespree.com. And as soon as Bo Davis, uh, who's also in a jail cell right now, gets out of his uh, jail cell, I think probably in about a week or so. Uh, Bo will be returning to work on editing the Victimless Crime Spree film, and uh, he's going to cr- crank out a trailer. So we're going to have some probably before Porkfest. We'll hopefully have the full release. If not, uh, certainly we'll have a trailer for you to see, and it's I think it's going to be great. Awesome! I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Toll free number again uh, here tonight eight five five four fifty free. Although some people are saying, hey, free people should move to Detroit because there's going to be all kinds of interesting opportunities uh, in some of the undesirable areas of the city as the city government bureaucrats are cutting services back dramatically, cutting police services to eight hours a day rather than 24 hours uh, well, per day. Also think of the uh, the other aspect. I know we're, we're talking about the human aspect of cutting back. But as people move out of areas, as the services stop and things get shut off, you will have more wilderness growth. You'll have more wildlife that venture into these areas. So more deer and and various other animals. Mm -hmm. You're going to have overgrowth. Some of the houses and stuff are going to be just... You know, it's it's going to look terrible because no one's maintained any lawns or or kept right. up with any of the, the uh, things that maintain and it. Makes the earth is going to retake it exactly. <laughs> So there's uh, the new news about more news about Detroit because it's absolutely fascinating to me. Every now and then, like every several months, we'll check in with what's going on with Detroit. Um, they have the the new budget, which actually is going to re- completely eliminate the human services department. Twenty six hundred jobs will be cut across the city's government. And uh, according to the story, the spending plan calls for the elimination of the Human Services Department, but adds six more months of funding for the city's health department and the international airport. While futures are unde- or excuse me, while futures are determined, the mayor wants to put both divisions under independent outside agencies. The budget would also reduce the city's workforce by 2,600 people and ultimately end up privatizing the bus and lighting departments. Although it spares the city's human rights department, which Bing initially proposed eliminating the budget 
moves toward transferring the functions of the troubled Human Services Department, which administers federal funding for home weatherization, Head Start, and other programs for poor people, to outside charitable and social services agencies. So I love that this is happening in that – Whenever government people have a problem with their system, like every now and then uh, the federal government or some state governments will come to this budget impasse where you know the, the people in state government can't agree on uh, the budget and they'll all say things like, well, if we can't agree on this budget, we're just going to have to shut down the essential services of the government. Yay! And, uh, well, right. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what we what I'm say. Doing, yeah. We say yay, uh, yay to this, but a lot of people, oh, oh my God, what are we going to do? Right. Uh, but here's a, this article is even acknowledging, it's a mainstream article free uh, detroit free press is is saying here look outside charities and social service agencies you know somebody else is going to have to pick up this ball because people still are going to need help and uh, the fact is having the government offer these services is not the most desirable way to help people right. it's the the least effective least efficient most wasteful way that you can possibly help people so this could end up being a really good thing for people in need i think uh, between the indoctrination that makes people fearful, like you're saying, and the sort of dependency that's created, it's definitely, excuse me, gonna no problem. Gonna take some sort of, uh, I guess, it's 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 gonna be difficult for some individuals, certainly. But I think in the long run, it's gonna create a sort of, I guess, a, a psychological situation that can spread to other areas and saying we can be independent and we can do our own thing. We don't need government. Hopefully, that's the hope that, you know, these kind of places you could hope you could send people to maybe educate. And in a lot of the urban areas, uh, I've heard from people that have done outreach in those places that they're easier to reach in the urban areas because they know the cops aren't out there to protect them. And they know many of these things that it's hard to convince other people with their nice houses and everything is fine. You know, people that have to live the hard life realize that the government's not there to protect them and they haven't ever been. Right, right. And they're going to come up with with solutions. Uh, the the other article we talked about with the streetlights being shut down was there, there was a business organization of businesses in that area that was trying to come up with a way to make this happen, to make these lights come back on, to do it independent of the government's uh, situation. And so people, when what is it? Uh, I guess necessity is the mother of invention, right? right? So everybody's been so used to the government taking care of the lights. Like, who yes. would have thought that the government couldn't keep the lights on? Well, that's the situation that Detroit, Detroit has. I mean, they, they can't even keep lights operating. That's how pathetic uh, the government people are. And so people are going to step up because they have to. And I think it's, it's, I think it's great that people are going to have that opportunity. Because once they take the reins, why would they ever want to let the government take it over? Right. Because the, then they have a system that's, for one, it's more accountable because it's a system they create and they take part in instead right. of being a system that is given to them from some other fictional entity. And so it's like, not only do I take part in it, but I have a certain pride in the fact that it's going on and that, you know, I'm I'm a part of it. And I want I have an incentive to see it do well because, you know, I want it to be efficient use of my time and energy. I also want to be safe if it's a safety thing or I want to be, you know, able to see if it's a lighting thing. And and so 
yes, taking control of the situation, being independent, it is rewarding. It is it is very fulfilling for individuals once they finally take a hold of those reins. And one of the other things that could really help places like Detroit, would help anywhere, would be to have the police that remain, the whatever police services that remain, actually have them focus on real crimes with victims rather than rounding up people for possession, uh, possession of a plant or something like that. And then maybe they would actually uh, be more efficient as well. Why did you move to the Shire? I moved here to the Shire because there's other people around who take liberty just as seriously as I do. I moved to the Shire because I saw videos of people challenging authority and thought that I could get support myself. It called to me, like, do this right now. I wanted to be around people like me who got it. And once I got here, I knew there was nowhere else that I wanted to be. Immigrating to the Shire was easy. I was instantly plugged into a community of individuals who also care about peace, liberty, and justice and are willing to do something about it. The people here are awesome, loving, and positive. It was for the adventure and for the feeling of something important is happening here, and I just wanted to come to sort of be part of that. Visit ShireSociety.com to read and sign the Shire Society Declaration and learn the reasons why, if you love liberty, you should immigrate to the Shire. Plus, add yourself to the Shire map at ShireSociety.com. That's ShireSociety.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are entering into the third hour of the program, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. 855-453-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Once again, freetalklive.com allows you to control the content of the site. Just like you can control the airwaves by calling in and bringing up what you want, you can submit things to the website and then other listeners will vote on them and the most voted up making it to the front page and the top of the site. Go to freetalklive.com to get interactive there and joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. JJ is here courtesy of uh, his projects, of which there are a few. Uh, (laughs) One of them is Free Keen TV, which Allie, you are also involved with, one of the anchor people. Yeah, the anchor. She is. And uh, occasionally, JJ, you appear in front of the camera as well, but you're really usually busy behind the scenes with all manner of putting the show together. And you, you guys, you and the rest of the crew, because it's a large crew of all volunteers, yep. uh, really does a great job of putting together one of the only liberty-minded news programs that airs, uh, I think, around the world. I mean, I'd like to know if there are more programs like Free Keen TV. I really would like to know if they exist. I know there's a guy named Jan Helfeld who does some interviews uh, that he puts up on YouTube. Of course, you got Dave Ridley, who shoots over at RidleyReport.com. But none of those people are live. None of those people are doing a, a half-hour TV program intended, originally created for broadcast television. Right. Uh, which uh, is a, really, I think, a unique factor for Free King TV. It takes a lot more work to do it that way, too. I mean, Dave Ridley can go around as a one-man army and uh, shoot all the footage he wants and then take it back to his computer and cut it up and do what he wants with it. But when you've got a, you've got a TV show that has to be on at a specific time, you've got to have help with yes, that. you do. And it's a real project. It's definitely limiting, but then at the same time, it's great to be an independent, volunteer-based media outlet because we don't... We aren't beholden to the same incentives that other media outlets are, where they can't say certain things, they have to be politically correct. I mean, we try to 
be respectful of different belief systems, of course, but we definitely have a slant and the slant is towards liberty and everyone on the show pretty much Everyone, I think, who participates in the show agrees with the non-aggression principle. Well, yeah, so you, if, it, everybody knows it. news has a slant, so you might as well own it. Yeah, exactly. We don't pretend. No, I, I don't either. And I think uh, people sort of respect you for that, too, when they understand that you're very upfront about where you're coming from and you're not afraid to make it known or make it open and transparent. Then you can get past the bias, you know, or the viewer can get past the bias mm-hmm. and then just evaluate the product for what it is. Absolutely. And you can see some of the episodes if you go to tv.freekeen.com. That kind of gives you a rundown of what the show's about. And also, it's not really prominent. You have to scroll down the page, but there's a fundraiser that you've been doing that looks like it's going to end here within the week, actually. It ends on May 31st. A fundraiser to help get some equipment upgrades for Freekeen TV and maybe get some pizza for the the crew. Yeah, mostly it's been used just to uh, sort of thank the crew for helping out. Uh, It's it's, important to do with volunteers. Especially when you've been doing it for about a year now and it just sort of people come and go and they're there's sort of attrition over time Mm -hmm. and so i I definitely want to incentivize the crew to continue helping besides just the fulfillment they get but also you know a little pizza party every now and then isn't isn't really a a lot absolutely so if you want to help out with that there's a chip in there over at tv.freekeen.com that's where you can uh, chip in a few bucks to help out with freekeen tv if you value it if you're somebody that watches it every week and you get some value out of it then throw a few bucks there, uh, JJ's way, because you're certainly not making money off of this. Maybe someday that would be a possibility. I sure think that would be great if if it could somehow be monetized into an actual news program. Because, you know, a place like Keene, New Hampshire, it's a relatively small place. 25,000 people live in Keene. Maybe in the surrounding area, you got another 50,000. There are no news television organizations. There's no... No. official ABC News affiliate or anything like that. I mean, literally, Freaking TV and occasionally, I guess there's a news show at the college when they're in session, you know, but Freaking TV's every single week of the year. You're the only show doing regular news productions on a weekly basis. Yep. Yep, so I get people coming up to me on the street saying, I saw you on TV. Really? Yep. What's that? Fe- what does that feel like? I, I don't know what to, because I wonder what I was saying when they saw me, so I'm like, oh... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Did you offend them or yeah, not? Yeah, right? I don't know what to say, but you know. They, Did you like it? Yeah. What do you think? They they usually say, "I thought it was great," and oh, wow, they, cool. they'll offer some suggestions, and I really appreciate it. Well, that's yeah. that's excellent. That's always nice to hear about. It's one of the things I like about radio is uh, I'm less likely to, uh, to to be recognized. Uh, but all that said, sometimes people like I was sitting in a restaurant once, and some guy came up to me. He's like, "Are you Ian from Free Talk Live? Like, I recognized your voice." So just me <laughs> talking with somebody at a restaurant <laughs> table uh, got me recognized. But that's great that you're getting positive response for what you guys are doing, and yeah. as it should be because it's a it's a good production. Uh, plus, JJ, you also do some of your own uh, production work, which uh, folks can see uh, previews. YouTube.com of. slash Starfall Media. All ran together as one word. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no. that's right, because it's JJ slash. Ah, Never mind. Damn it. You ah. could just go and type in Starfall Media yeah. though, into YouTube. I need a, new, I need a website. You need a website. Is that, if anyone wants to volunteer and make a website, or, I mean, we can work something out. We've got all kinds of web talent in this movement. I'm yeah. sure there there would be somebody that uh, that could do it. So tv.freeking.com or YouTube, uh, search for Starfall Media. You'll be able to find JJ that way. Uh, Allie, you had brought something to talk about here tonight, a, a national registry that I'd never heard of before. It's the it's new a national. Well, I don't know if it if if the tradition of making a national registry of exonerations is new, but a new one has been updated at least. And more than two thousand people were freed after wrongful convictions. So this is great news. Wait, wait. In one year, 
Or in what uh, what time frame? Uh, from decades? nineteen, I think nineteen eighty nine. Okay, so about twenty years. So it's just good to know that at least that many people, that two thousand people were freed. But it's actually kind of bad news because uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Sure. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine exactly is when is when the um, study and everything looked at it. Uh, but yeah, it, sh- it shows that a lot of people are are being wrongly convicted, and that there are some problems with the justice system and determining who's guilty of what crimes. Uh, the The thing about the study is that it's looking mostly at violent crimes. So um, while there's a lot of people that are falsely accused, it means that these people that are actually guilty of the violent crimes are running around somewhere uncaught. Oh boy. Right. Or it takes them a while to be caught. So So the cops just want to find somebody they can string up. That way it can look like they're doing their jobs. Oh yeah, we found this criminal. That's the wrong guy. But it that you know, people don't know that. They take the cops' word for it. Right. And um of the two thousand that were exonerated, a hundred of them were sentenced to death. So that's a wow. hundred people that uh you know, under the idea that everyone, you know, we are the government and the government's deciding that we all need to come together and sentence this person to death for something that we decided just requires um, the death penalty. And a hundred of those people weren't even guilty of murdering anyone right. or whatever they're sentenced to death and for. And that's the main reason why I don't like the state handing out death penalties because the state is so often wrong. Or, or it's it's not it's not even that it's wrong. It's human for one. Humans and are fallible. Humans make a lot of mistakes for one, and humans are also inclined to have certain predilections or attitudes towards individuals that they think have done something wrong, regardless if that individual did anything wrong. So they could it just could be a case where this person went to jail because well the judge didn't like him. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I didn't or like they were attitude. framed by a cop exactly. that didn't like them. The yep. prosecutor or the cop or just the whole, yeah, the cop made this decision and the prosecutor's backing it up and, well, it's too late to go back on it. We've already charged him with it. Sometimes people will go to jail just because they're scared and they take a plea deal. Even though they've never actually committed the crime that they've been accused of, they're so scared of what will happen if they are found guilty in a court where the jury normally favors whatever the cops tell them to favor. Uh, and so they're just, oh, crap, I've got to take this plea deal is what they think to themselves. And then they're in jail, even though they never even were in the area of the crime being committed. Right. And most people can't speak legalese. It's a language that baffles, you know, the, the, the common individual and only the exceptional people who spend the time and energy to learn this new language and this new mystical realm of logic. They are the only ones that can actually operate within the realm of, of legal land. Right. So I, I found this story from um, the Huffington Post and they sort of break it down and let you know sort of the severity of the situation and Let's what talk people about it here for. in a moment. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Maybe you've been wrongfully convicted of something. You'd like to share that with us. 1-855-450-3733. Take control. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. 
Take control of these airwaves and dial in toll-free, 855-453 is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Uh, Once again, freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. As we continue, we'll take your calls. I want to also remind you to visit plainboards.com and add a private anonymous message forum to your website. Private meaning you respect your user's privacy, not that it's locked down. Anyone can go to these forums. Anyone can post there. It's completely anonymous. Plainboards.com is where you can go. P-L-A-I-N, plainboards.com. And literally within seconds, you you can create your own anonymous free message board that does not require any logging in it doesn't require any hassle of an install to your website you just create it over at plainboards.com that's plainboards.com as we go to alex listening in maryville tennessee alex you're listening uh, via tune in on your cell phone hey what's on your mind hi um i just want to bring up uh, i don't know if you if this had been brought up uh yet but there was a uh high profile plea deal related story in the news about a uh, football player, uh, I believe he was from California. He was like, two years back, he was very promising and uh, had a scholarship uh, offered to USC. Looked like he, you know, had the talent to maybe make it in the NFL and everything. And uh, a girl he went to high school with accused him of raping her. Oh, man. Um, and uh, he, you know, he his counsel advised him, hey, you're, you know, if you if you take this to trial, they'll just see a big black teenager up there, and they won't see a person, pretty much, so you might as well just take the plea deal. God, even though he didn't do it? I mean, did he know the girl? Was it at a party? What are the surrounding circumstances? He, he, uh, he allegedly, he had made out with the girl. He had never had any relationship with her beyond that. Um he uh, ended up taking the, the plea deal. I think he served four years God. and uh, had to register as a sex offender. Oh. Um, and recently he had a situation where apparently the girl who accused him of breaking her friended him on Facebook. And uh, apparently she they, they got her to admit that he never did anything to her. Wow. <laughs> hmm. I mean, what's actually, when you're put in that situation where they're saying, if you take this to court, then all they're going to see is the color of your skin and they're not going to care what your story is. Well, if you have registered, if you're registered as a sex offender, it's going to be the same thing in real life. People are going to see registered sex offender and they're going to judge you based on that. I would have taken it to court. I mean, this is a kid, you know, an 18-year-old kid. Sure. People are scared. I mean... He went in for four years, but what was he facing? Forty? I mean, what was he? Uh, Forty-one to life. God, uh, that I, was the the alternative that he was. Uh, he was. You're he, right, Ali. Allie, you're absolutely right in that, uh, yeah, whether he's in for ten years or four years or fifteen years or whatever it ends up being forty years, he's still going to have to deal with the sex offender thing after the fact. But still, somebody's going to look at that and say, "Well, I'd rather be a sex offender and out and about." than I would be sitting in a prison cell for 40 years. But he would have had to have her come into court and explain her testimony. She would have had to testify, and I don't know what it takes to get a rape conviction, uh, but I would hope that there would be more evidence than just her word. I mean, really? 
can they really convict somebody of rape on the say so of another human being? Because that's crazy. Well, they basically me. can if if there's some bias against like there's bias against men when it comes to these types of char- charges. If you know, I say a man raped me, they're going to take that more seriously than if they say I raped a man. You it's know? crazy, though. I mean, if well, look, so we both go to the same party and, you know, I say something to you don't you don't like. And then all of a sudden I'm faced with a rape charge. And well, OK, so other somebody else saw me at the party. There's a little bit of corroborating evidence that you and I were in the same vicinity as one another. I mean, that's all they need is for somebody who seems credible to, to claim rape. It's, it's just pretty, so disturbing. It's pretty common on college campuses to the point where sometimes they just get too overloaded with women claiming that they've been raped or some sort of sexual assault. And it's just, you know, they usually just say, OK, you must be right, you know, because we have all these women making these accusations. So we're just going to assume that they're all right. Well, and the worst part about uh, besides the actual act of rape, one of the worst parts about rape is that a lot of it goes unreported. So a lot of real rape goes completely unreported because uh, the victims and by the way, men can be raped, too. But uh, the victims are afraid of the stigma that uh, might be attached to them or that what they feel might be a stigma. And so they're or they're afraid of the rapist or they're afraid of, you know, other consequences that might come from uh, from making those public it's just uh, it's just terrible, though, that, that this happens to people. What else did you want to share about the story, Alex? Um, I, I heard an interview with him later on, and he he was saying, I wish I'd actually had someone who cared as my counsel, someone who actually uh-huh. would listen to me and would believe me. He must have had the state attorney. I believe that was actually the case. Yeah, wow. which that's all they do is they cut plea deals. I mean, yeah. really, uh, district attorneys are nothing more. In most cases, there are some exceptions to this, but the, the district—excuse me, not district attorney, but uh, state de- defense attorneys—are really just glorified plea deal cutters. And they'll they'll tell you a story to get you to believe that you have no option but to take the plea deal, and that makes it easy for them because they don't actually have to put on a case or do any work to defend you. Right. Just fill out some papers and get the plea deal done. It's sort of in their incentive, the uh, the public defenders, to remain friends with their colleagues, if you will, the prosecutors and all the people involved on the other side of the aisle. So because they, they hang out together, they have more in common with the prosecutor than the person they're defending. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like, well, yeah, they have this sort of brotherhood of the Bar Association, and everybody uh, that's in this association, well, they, they all hang out together, and they all perpetuate the state in some fashion. And I know there are some good defense lawyers out there, and I know there's good people in all walks of life. I agree. But that doesn't excuse the actions of partaking in this and, and keeping this, this illegitimate sort of injustice system going. But this is just another example of why you shouldn't take the plea deal because his essentially his he could have had a livelihood that I mean could have been very wealthy, you know, with the talent that he had and this has just been robbed from him because he's I believe he's twenty six now, which Yeah. Good luck getting away from that stigma. Sex offender? Yeah. He's gonna yeah, be working uh, at McDonald's if he's lucky for he, the rest of his life. It's horrible. Uh, he's been apparently that has been expunged on him now. So. Wait, the sex offender status has been expunged? It has. Thank yes. goodness. Only because this girl finally told the truth. That's the only reason. See, I don't know why people are not more skeptical. When someone starts to make it or make something out of themselves and get more popular, um, then it seems like there's always some person that says, oh, oh, they, they wronged me. Mm-hmm. Well, where were you when it happened? You know, you're, t- you're bringing this up now. It happened 10, 20 years ago. You didn't say anything back then. You can't just cry wolf now. 
Hey, Alex, quick uh, technical question. Did you find us through the TuneIn app, or did you download the TuneIn app specifically to uh, listen to Free Talk Live? I, I downloaded it uh, to listen to it. I actually heard you guys on the on, I believe. Oh, you're a little muffled there. Sounds like you've gone away from your phone. Hello? Uh, W-W-B-T-R. You lo- used to listen on the radio in uh, Maryville. Very good. You got muffled, so we can't keep you on, but I appreciate your call, Alex. Uh, 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, still to come, more about this exoneration project that Ali is telling us about. 855-450-FREE. You can take control and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and 2XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. Take control of the airwaves, dial in toll-free, and bring up anything you want at 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that you'll find there. Once again, freetalklive.com. Go to m.freetalklive.com if you'd like to access our mobile site for quick access to our live streams, as well as the software that uh, you can use to listen in, like the the great TuneIn software. Uh, You can go to m.freetalklive.com. TuneIn is my probably my favorite way to listen online, but one of the problems that they have is they can you can only access our high bandwidth streams. So if you want to access the other uh, streams that we have, like the lower bandwidth ones, maybe you don't have a great internet connection on your phone. Uh, then there are other software that we list over at uh, at m.freetalklive.com that will allow you to tune into any of our streams. So keep that in mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, TuneIn's great. We just had a guy on the phone who was talking with us because he was listening through the TuneIn app. It's one of the most downloaded apps uh, in the various different Google iPhone stores, and it's completely free, so it's pretty cool. Uh, in fact, I think the the one that you pay for is only like a buck, and it actually allows you to record as you're listening to, which is kind of a nice feature. So, m.freetalklive.com. Many companies, as they grow, lose their passion and their mandate. That's not the case with O'Neill Coffee. Their third-generation family-owned business still roasts each batch with the finest beans and utmost care. They have more than 40 varieties of gourmet and flavored coffees. The house blend is the kind of cup of coffee that's been enjoyed in this country for decades. To show the Free Talk Live audience, that's you, their commitment to freedom and making great coffee, they're offering a free mug and even free shipping on orders of $75 or more. You can support great coffee craftsmanship over at coffee.freetalklive.com. That'll take you right to the O'Neill Coffee website. That's coffee.freetalklive.com. Uh, of course, you can bring up anything you want. Allie, you've been telling us about uh, the exoneration uh, project. The, uh, what's it well, called? it's the National Registry of Exoneration. So it's basically a database that was put together by the Michigan Law School and Center on Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University. It profiled 873 specific cases of exoneration from 1989 through March 1st, 2012. Uh, Not surprisingly, most of the men and women who are wrongfully convicted, 61%, were black or Hispanic. As a group... Not surprising. What a shocker. 
As a group, the 873 exonerated, defen- exonerated defendants spent more than 10,000 years in prison. Oh, my God. An average of more than 11 years each. So 11 years average for all these exonerated people. Um, that's how it's long horrifying. it took them to realize, oh, we got it wrong. Sorry for your 11 years lost of you your life. You don't get your time back. I mean, even if they were to walk out that prison door and be handled a, handed a bunch of cash, it still wouldn't buy right. the missed experiences and whatever life you could have built for yourself What is it, one-seventh of your life, basically? What, what sort of accountability is is being uh, sort of used against these individuals that put these other individuals Nothing. in cages for 11-plus years? Nothing. I mean, look at. I mean, if if there's a guy who's in prison for a decade, yes, and he gets out on uh, because he, you know, some DNA evidence or the victim came out and told the truth finally or whatever ends up happening to exonerate them, he gets out. That original prosecutor that had put him in there or the judge that issued the uh, the sentence down, these people are either higher level in the government usually, like they're now you know elected to governor or something crazy like that, or they've completely retired and they're collecting a pension. So there's nothing that. Uh, that can be done to them. There's nothing that is being done to them. They're, most of them aren't even getting money, as I understand it, when they get out. I don't know if they address that at all in this piece, but they don't get anything in some cases. They're just, oh, well, see you later there, Johnny. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, terrible. they don't they don't mention the treatment of the people after, um, after they let go. Uh, it does say that of the 873 exonerees, nearly half, 416 to be exact, were wrongly convicted of murder. Mm-hmm. So what that tells me... Uh, is is that so 873 of them were wrongly convicted of murder so there's 873 murders which it were unsolved for an average of 11 years on end 11 years on average some murder guy was uh let free because right. they convicted the wrong one yeah so you can kill more people or do whatever because uh, you know who knows what situation each each individual is in but a person who would go so far as to murder another person generally isn't a very good individual, and they tend to make consistently bad decisions. Well, what I think probably happens in a lot of these cases is there's, I think there's very few people who actually have the impulse to murder others, and those few people are going out and murdering people, and then they pick up some black or Hispanic guy on the street and say, he did it. Yeah. And then the murderers left to go around and keep making victims, and then they keep uh, punishing random people. So it seems like there's tons of murders out there when there's really just a couple that aren't getting caught. Yeah, well, possible. I don't know if most murders are serial murders. I think they're probably second-degree murder, which is a crime of passion, uh, one that's not necessarily thought up in advance. You know, The, the classic example of uh, some jealous husband or wife who walks in on their their uh, spouse having sex with somebody else and just loses it and uh, you know commits an act of uh, violence in that particular instance i think that's probably what you'll find that most murders are uh, but or yeah. related to I would the think, drug yeah related to, drug to crime sure. and yeah. cartels drug cartels exactly mm-hmm. well with the drug cartel you're probably looking at first degree uh, murder premeditated that the difference being premeditation versus in the moment or in the heat of of, uh, of the moment uh, so, uh, what else did you want to share from this piece that uh, you found interesting? Um, well, I just basically that's it. The rest is just more statistics that they try to analyze, and I don't really like to talk about statistics so much. Sure. But yeah, I just I thought it was a good story to share because a lot of people um, just immediately assume that if someone's found guilty of something in court, then they must have been guilty. Sometimes they, just, they assume they're guilty just because they're in court. Right, exactly. The, how did you must have done something to get to court in the first place? So guilty.
And then you look at uh, what Derek Jay will tell you, what I what I experienced when I was in jail, and anybody experiences when they're on the inside of these institutions, is that uh, these jails and prisons are filled with people who've never hurt anybody else. So you've got the people that are alleged to have hurt people, which, as you're saying, Ali, a bunch of them actually didn't. They're just the wrong guy. And then on top of that, add in dozens and dozens and hundreds more. I'm just talking about your local jails across this country. It's thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are inside this uh, this so-called justice system. System. It's the most incarcerated, this country of the United States, the most incarcerating in the entire world, uh, Louisiana being the most of all of the 50 states. These people haven't hurt anybody else. And mm-hmm. of those who actually have created a victim, like people who maybe have done breaking and enterings or have held somebody up at knife point to steal money, many of these people are, are, are typically doing these acts in order to get money for drugs which are illegal and therefore very expensive. So if we had no war on drugs, a lot of these crimes would dry up overnight. A lot of the premeditated murder crimes that we were talking about before would go away. I mean, you end the war on drugs, you end victimless crimes, and you're shutting, you'd be shutting down prisons. Now, these days, they're building new prisons because they're constantly adding new victimless crimes. So it would literally, I mean, here in New Hampshire, I think there are two men prisons. There's one women's prison. Uh, they would probably be able to fit all of the actual violent offenders into one wing of one of the existing prisons if they actually you know, legalized a lot of this stuff. And then after they legalize it, then exonerate or let these people out who've been sitting in there. Right. And then it, it all comes back to the beginning of the show and talking about Detroit and their financial system of problems. And I think if you eliminate, as you said, the victimless crimes and the war on drugs sort of stuff, you'll have... Two things that happen. One, you'll spend less money on police force and all this money that goes into D.A.R.E. and all these different outlets of of drug sort of uh, um, the war on drugs basically is, is a lot of money spent. And then you also have the other thing where police are, police are, are now pursuing only victim filled crimes or, or crimes that have a victim. So they'll be received by the public a lot better. They won't be bothering and harassing people very much right they'll be when you say they'll be received by the public better meaning more people will be more willing to talk to the cops exactly like if i knew the cops were only going after violent criminals and people that are destroying other people's lives then i'm i have no problem assisting them in some sort of an investigation and but today if a police officer walks into an urban neighborhood and knocks on doors nobody's going to talk to them because right. they know you talk to the cops the closer the more you talk the closer you are to being arrested for something yep, yep. i wanted to include the researchers also identified 13 major police scandals that falsely netted 1,170 other people that were not included in the database because it was based on the system. There's more coming up. Uh, even in the remaining moments, enough time for you and your thoughts. If you make the call now at 855-453-1855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Take control of these airwaves by dialing in toll-free 855-453. Allows you to do it. You can bring up anything you want. And joining you in the studio here, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. 1-855-450-3733. 
Last night, we were talking about uh, silver with Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. Of course, Midas Resources is the organization behind uh, the Genesis Communications Network. And Genesis Communications Network is Free Talk Live Syndicate. So the reason we're on the air uh, in over 100, and 100 radio stations around the country is because, well... There's a gold and silver business that's backing the uh, the syndicate that helps get us on those stations. So when you buy gold and or silver from Midas Resources through gold.freetalklive.com, not only do you support Free Talk Live directly and that Free Talk Live gets a very small portion of the sale, but you'll also support the company that backs us up. You're, you're supporting the company that is putting helping us get on the air on all these radio stations. So you'll get the silver you're looking for at a darn good price, and you'll help Free Talk Live directly. Yeah, so. and, and just a side note quick. I think rather than boycotting companies and whatnot and, and trying to make uh, – giving them more publicity – why not just give more support to the the companies that you think are doing the right right thing? That makes more sense. It's a lot easier. Well, I guess it's a lot easier to complain about something than to actually do. But in this case, we make it easy. You go to gold.freetalklive.com or silver.freetalklive.com, and you'll have access to a, a variety of uh, selected silver and gold pieces. In fact, they've even added copper medallions because those have become somewhat popular as well. Uh, so you can order copper through uh, gold or silver.freetalklive.com. Uh, they've got the Mercury Dimes, which are the 90% uh, silver dimes. You can get a bag of 1,000 of those suckers from Midas. These guys are a serious uh, gold and silver dealer. That's serious. And they've been around for a long time, so they know what they're doing. Their product is good. I've bought from them a number of times. Uh, go to silver.freetalklive.com. As we go to Jeremy, listening in Rhode Island. Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey. hey. Um, so I was, writing, I was just you know playing around with the numbers on our national debt versus the citizen in the United States, and it comes out to about $50,000 per citizen. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I owe any of that, but uh, go ahead with your thoughts. Well, neither do I, and I I certainly did not infer that it, but the government people sure as heck think we owe them something Mm. of that $50,000. Actually, more than our share, more than our share would be, because, uh, you know, we have to pay for for the government parasite. Um. So I, I guess what it, in Canada it works out to about sixteen thousand per wow. citizen. So the free state project is a great idea, but I think at some point it's going to have to come to for for us for, for it to be for it to go anywhere for there to be prosperity, even in New Hampshire, as it gets worse and these and these and these bills come due. New Hampshire is going to have to go on their own currency or absolutely some sort of like well we're not sending you squat. To the yep. Fed, which might be mistaken as a secessionist sort of thing, depending on how violent the Fed feels. I think New Hampshire is one of two northeastern states that actually uh, that actually spent that actually gives more money to the federal government than it receives back from the federal government. Uh, so it's a, a a donor state, as they're called. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that New Hampshire needs to secede, uh, and they need to secede now. And I think that every state needs to secede. I don't care who goes first. I hope it's New Hampshire, but if Vermont goes first, that's great, because as soon as somebody goes, as far as I'm concerned, the dominoes are going to fall at yes. that point. And I think New England is rife with those kind of states. Uh, Vermont, obviously, is a big one. Maine has talked about uh, doing this some, and New Hampshire, of course. So I hope that New Hampshire doesn't try to come up with its own currency, though. I hope people just decide that Let precious, the market decide. precious metals hope is likely. But yeah, whatever the market decides. Exactly. Bitcoin, precious metals, whatever it is that people think is valuable is what should be the, uh, the currency. But I agree with you, Jeremy, and I hope that we can well, get I mean, more people up here that support that. Well, well to save 
and Andrew came up with their own currency, and it wasn't mandated that you only use that particular currency, the people would have a choice as far as what they use. Well, that's true. So, I mean, I mean know, it would well, be a better... Well, uh, you know, can't have the government creating a currency because, you know... Well, God, having more options know, is people, a good thing. Speak. I agree with you that having more options is valuable, but... Why create a new bureaucracy just to create uh, a state currency? Why right. not if just the, allow people If to... the government's doing it, then they're going, like, bad money crowds out good money. So, I mean, it's, it's good to have competition. I agree. Um, in currency. It's interesting government was at the point of seceding. I, I don't think we've really be spreading for the small bureaucracy created to issue a currency that's based off of some sort of precious metal. I mean, that, that new bureaucracy would be, you know, what, how many employees? Ten, a hundred? Versus how many do they have now? If we get to put a seceding, I doubt the New Hampshire government is going to be this huge entity at that point anyway. Well, so are you moving up, uh, Jeremy, to help make it happen? Uh, I would like to in 2013. Great. Looking forward to it then. Have you already signed up over at freestateproject.org? Yes, I have. And I encourage other people to as well because if it's 20000 I'll come up before that and I'll commute. Fantastic. But, uh, yeah, the more people we can get here sooner rather than later, I think, is really critical. There's this original number that was set for for the Free State Project, 20,000, was just an arbitrary number yeah. that uh, that uh, Jason Sorens, who originally founded the project, he had, re- he had researched other activist uh, movements that had been successful in the past, like, say, the Mormons uh, moving into Utah or the hippies moving to Vermont or uh, the Party P- Quebec, I think Party Quebec or whatever they call themselves. Up so in let's, Quebec. Let's create something to encourage them to change the number down to say five thousand and have people re-sign up. It's hard to. It's hard having, to. The, the problem with 10, that. signers or twelve thousand signers. If we hit the twenty thousand and then it doesn't happen, like let's get the hardcore. The people that would actually move up are the ones who would move up if it was five thousand. There's or, been talk I mean, about that, that for a number of years within the Free State Project, but one of the problems you'll find is that since the Free State Project is a volunteer organization, people don't have the incentives uh, to really uh, to modify it to the most effective means. So there's some disappointments, I think, that come along with that because you are re- relying on volunteers and, well, things are the way they are and it's difficult to make things the way you want them to be. I'm not saying give up on your plan, Jeremy, but if you want to present an idea like that, you should reach out to the Free State Project's board of directors and see what the, the response is like. I, As I understand it, there have been such proposals in the past, and they just haven't gone over real well because the Free State Project has had, for now a decade, uh, this goal of 20,000. We're already at about 12,000 at this point. It's not impossible to reach 20,000. It's just a matter of promotion. It's a matter of encouraging. And if everybody in the Free State Project signed one new person up, we'd be there. Uh, so it's just right. a matter Yeah, don't sign people up who aren't serious about it. Because there are a lot of people that, yeah, yeah, it's cool, I'll move up to Hampshire. But they're not actually going to move to New Hampshire. Well, I think if they saw a, a, a mass migration of individuals, they if they if they signed up to go along to get along, they'll probably come with that group too. But at the same time, the people moving now, the people who are coming here now, are the trailblazers, and they're on the ground floor of starting these projects and these alternatives that are going on right now. Right. For me, the 20,000 goal is just an old number that we point to occasionally as a potential goal. But the, the real goal for me personally is to to help 
show people who love liberty, hey, look, here's this shining beacon, this movement of so many people, already over a thousand people are here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Look at all these things that are happening. Look at uh, you know the state house activity. Look at Free King TV. Look at the civil disobedience. Look at all this stuff that's going on. What's going on where you are? What's exciting about where – no, don't, don't tell me Ron Paul because he's going to be gone soon. So what's going on where you are? And then give them that excitement. Get them excited. By, by the way, going to Pork Fest will definitely transfer oh, the yes. excitement. Uh, but to try to excite people as much as possible to get them to not worry about the 20,000, not wait for the 20,000, but to start making plans tonight, to start making plans now uh, to bring their family and their friends and the people that care about liberty, uh, their businesses if they have them, and get them here uh, and, and get active. Because the sooner we move, the better. The sooner more people get here, the more likely we're to see things like independent currencies uh, blooming. The more likely we're to see a secession, a, you know, a vibrant secession movement. There's talk about secession right now. There's no real coherent movement. We're still early on in this. I mean, there's still some, some times when I wish, I know, Ali, you encountered this this week, where you wished more people had turned out to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's simply because we don't have, I mean, a thousand people is a lot, but that's a thousand people spread across the entire state. And all those different people have different work schedules, and they're all working and available at different times. So you pick one arbitrary time to do something, and only some of those thousand or some of those you know few dozen in the area are going to be available. So we need another two thousand quickly. You know, we need another five thousand. I mean, the more we have, the more response we can uh, generate, the more activism we can do, and the the richer the community will become too. Absolutely, so. Jeremy. Any other thoughts you want to share? Uh, no, I just said I. You know, I, I'll be moving up. I, 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 uh, I started a two-year uh, program to become an R to be an RN. So, oh, cool! Registered nurse. That up and, yeah, that's exciting. Now, uh, are you coming up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival? Oh, you bet. Fantastic. We'll look forward to seeing you there. And, of course, I believe free aid, speaking of being a, a nurse, uh, free aid is something that started at last year's Porcupine Freedom Festival where there was a basically a booth at Porkfest. It was staffed, I think, all almost all the time uh, with yes. people who are of the medical profession and they you know, were there for people that you know might have injured themselves or needed some advice. Uh, and so maybe, I don't know if you're already involved in that, Jeremy, but you might want to check it out if you haven't been. Thanks for the I'll- call. Tonight. I'll check it out. Hey, my girlfriend loves to talk live. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Send, have her send in a picture hey, to the a, shrine. She's a liberal, of, but she loves it, man. Have her send in a picture to the shrine of female listeners. It's been a while since we've had uh, somebody submit one there. And so tell her to check out lazingkeen.com. Oh. Definitely. Jeremy, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Hey, this is Mandrake. And this is Jay. And we're getting ready for Porkfest 2012. Porkfest is the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. And this year's Pork Fest will be the best yet. Why is that, Mantric? Because of all the great speakers that'll be there? Or maybe the family fun events? Perhaps you're excited about Flaming Freedom's Big Gay Dance Party? Actually, I had no idea any of that goes on. You had no idea because you and I spent all our time running the Georgia's famous baklava food stand. And that's why I'm so excited. Every year we get to meet so many great people who stop by for food and jokes, some of which are a little dirty. Yeah, about the dirty jokes, we should Try not to offend so many people this year. It was one person, and I thought her wooden leg was for the pirate party. Oh, and don't forget all those times you walked away for five minutes only to return two hours later. I kept getting mauled by all my fans. You fell asleep on a picnic table. Oh, right. Hey, you want to wrap this up? Go to porkfest.com and register today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com.